It's good to see everybody out this morning. Now, we have a lot of people sick, man. This week, it, it finally hit me this week. It didn't have to, but it did. And uh, it's been a kind of a tough week. Um, I had to walk Erin up here just during the worship service. She, Erin's uh, been sick with this, whatever it is, for about five weeks now. And uh, if you pray for her, I know Jess Arias and the Arias family, the flu hit them. And my father's able to be here after... Um, several weeks of being out. Uh, just continue to pray for each other because we have a lot of people out sick. Uh, but it is great to have everybody here. It's great to see you all in church. I apologize ahead of time uh, for my voice. I know it uh, sounds a little, little different, a little weird, but um, if you bear with me as we go through this. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, <clears throat> where we're going to be this morning, and then Acts 1-8 <clears throat> as well. We started, our theme for the year is called Each One Reach One. <clears throat> We're talking about evangelism. Not just evangelism as a, uh, as a thought or as a concept, but evangelism as a practical ministry opportunity throughout the church, within the church. Evangelism as not just a practical opportunity, but as a responsibility, not just for the church, but for each and every member of the church. That's why we say each one reach one. We started this message last week. We're going to be finishing it up <clears throat> today. And then over the course of this year, we're going to be looking at different aspects of the Great Commission, different aspects of evangelism, different aspects of Jesus teaching on uh, evangelism and reaching other people. We're going to be looking at, his, at the parables, uh, some of the teachings of Jesus in, in the parables and, and some of the one-on-ones that Jesus had with individuals as he ministered and reached out to people. And uh, just looking at... So many times, maybe you'll agree with me on this, so many times as Christians, we think that reaching the world, we talk about reaching the world, and it's such a daunting task, right? We live in the Springfield metro area. I, I say this a lot. We are the third least churched area, metropolitan area of the country behind just uh, uh, Las Vegas and San Francisco. We have over 600,000 people in the Springfield Holyoke metro area. That's a huge task. And we, when we look at it that way, it can seem incredibly daunting. It can seem like an amazing, uh, amazingly overwhelming responsibility for just one church. And if we look at it that way, then it truly is. But if you remember when Erin gave announcements last week, she talked about uh, the fact that we're going to be putting up a board this year. It's up where the, the donuts and coffee are. The board is up there already. We're going to be doing some work on it, but we just wanted to get it up there so people could start. There's already some, uh, some papers up there, some notes from people about meeting individuals and sharing their faith. And the reason we've done that is so that you can be encouraged to realize, although it may seem like a daunting task to reach this world with Christ, it all comes down to one opportunity at a time. It all comes down to one opportunity. Each one of us taking the opportunity one at a time to reach somebody with Christ. And what we want you to do, I'll, I'll tell you about that again. <clears throat> what we want you to do is, as you have the chance to talk to somebody, share your faith, invite them to church, whatever it may be, just jot that down on paper if you want, and you can come and tack it up. You don't have to put your name on it. You don't have to put their name on it. You can put their first name if you want. 
<laughs> just let us know. And it's not, to, not to, it's not a competition. It's not to show off. It's just so that we as a church can, first of all, see our reach. And secondly, and most importantly, so that we can pray for the contacts that you have. Because that's how we as a church come together and support each other in ministry. We see what somebody is doing, although I may not have the opportunity to be on the road like Charlie and, and seeing all those people that he sees or live in feeding hills like Vicki and see the people that live around her. I can pray for those people that you come in contact with. Listen, over the last two years, this church has just, uh, we've, we've just kind of just blown up in, in, in numbers. We really have. We've, we've, uh, we've really grown and, and we've had the opportunity to take on a, and the Pali congregation assists them. They'll meet at two o'clock this afternoon. And this Brazilian ministry is just exciting. I'm so excited about it. They've got a big thing coming up next Sunday night. It's a, a Brazilian Valentine's thing. And if you want to, I'll tell you what, let me put a plug in for you. Because Antonio um, is, is heading that up. This is such an exciting group of people to be around. They, they are excited about Jesus Christ. And uh, Flavia and, and uh, what's your name again? Osvaldo, right? <laughs> He's wearing a Gronkowski jersey, so I kind of ignore him. Uh, <clears throat> I didn't want to bring that in there, but I have to. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> um, and it's been so great to see these people because, you know, they have, they have so much life for their faith and so much excitement about their faith. And that Sunday night service is an exciting place to be. And this coming Sunday night would be a great time for you to come and, and get to know them. The, uh, Pastor Antonio from the church up around Boston is going to be down here. Their band is going to be down here. It's going to be a great Valentine's thing. And it's a cultural thing. Um, Antonio, and Flavia, and, and Osvaldo could explain more to you about what that is. But the reason we've done all this, and if you've ever wondered what is at the heart of new life, what is it that that we desire here? What is it that I as the pastor want to see this church, the direction I want to see this church led and go, it's this. I want our church to always have a heart for lost people. To always have a heart for people who need Jesus. Now we do that in a few different ways and that's what we're going to be talking about. Part of it, we're talking about the Great Commission, we're going to, we're going to be breaking that down even more. Part of having a, a listen, the biggest part of having a heart for lost people is you being prepared to reach them and you being ready at all times to share your faith. We've made a lot of changes over the years here at New Life. Last several years, we've made so we've a lot of paint and a lot of uh, different things. If you've walked down the hall, Mary, um, is Mary in here or Mary, what's that? See, Mary just stepped out. If you walk down the hall, you'll see some signs. And there's signs in different languages. There's Portuguese, there's Nepali, and there's English. I think there's some Spanish as well. And though, because those are several of the languages um, that, are, that are part of the, the lives of the people of our church. And what we're, what we're wanting to do is make everybody understand, help everybody understand that what we're about is reaching people no matter where they are, no matter who they are, and no matter what their cultural background is, 
The changes we've made and the changes we'll continue to make as we go along are great, right? They're awesome. It's, it's nice to see things. It's nice to see uh, chairs here. I was talking to Brian and Deb uh, earlier, and we, uh, we, we, over the summer, we put chairs and we got, our pews were taken out. Those of you who are here, you know that. And uh, it's nice to have changes. It's nice to see new things happen. It's, it's nice to see progress, as we call that. But none of that does anything to reach people with the gospel. It's nice to make people feel comfortable. It's nice to be able to take advantage of space. It's nice to make everything look nice and new. But listen, if that's what we're counting on to reach this world with Jesus Christ, we're missing the boat. Because what it takes to reach people with Jesus Christ is individuals, Christians, followers of Jesus, who have a heart for God and have a heart for people. Now, last week, as I said, we started this and I said this, and I, I apologize as well for the, the, um, the slideshow. They're going to be playing catch up with me. I was going to edit it this week, but I really have, I've been really sick all week long, and I just didn't have the energy to do that. So they'll be playing catch up as we go along. Make no mistake, no matter what the changes are, whether they're cosmetic or style changes, those don't win people to Jesus Christ. Only passionate, knowledgeable Christians do. There's no substitute for the true purpose of a church to reach people with a message of Jesus Christ. And let me say this as well. If we lose our focus on what is truly important to effective ministry, then we are guaranteed to lose our passion for those who need Jesus. Listen, folks, if we lose our focus on what this is all about, if we lose our focus as individuals or as a church for why we're here, if we start looking at making power plays to take over, if we start being territorial about our ministries and saying it's my ministry and this is all, this is what I do and you better run everything by, by me because I am in charge. Man, if we start doing that, we're losing focus on everything that we're here for. If we miss the boat on the true purpose of the church, reaching people with Jesus Christ, then we will lose our passion for the hearts of individuals. Now, as I said last week, <clears throat> excuse me, there's two vital biblical responsibilities that apply to every follower of Jesus Christ. No matter where you are in your life, no matter what your spiritual gifting is, no matter what your circumstance, there are two things that apply to you. The first one is the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is the Great Commission. And the Great Commission is to go and tell people about Jesus Christ. The Great Commission uh, defined as this. It's a mandate from Jesus to share his good news about his gift of eternal life. Good news simply is the gospel. Gospel means good news. So that's what the Great Commission is. It's the mandate from God to share our faith with others. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, <clears throat> tell us this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then flip over to uh, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. If you have a traditional Bible, if you have your electronic device. You can just scroll to that, right? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria 
and to the end of the earth. That's the great commission, man. That's the great commission. You have been tasked. I have been tasked. Each of us has been tasked. This church as a body has been tasked to reach this world with Jesus Christ. Not just to do good works, not just to do good deeds, not just to be nice people, but to do those things for a purpose. To go out into this world and to work hard and be a a good neighbor, to be a good friend. To talk with people, to, to love on people, to reach out and help people for a purpose. And that purpose is to get the opportunity to share your faith with them in an effective way. Well, that sounds like an ulterior motive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our task here as human beings, as followers of Jesus Christ, is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus. That is your main purpose as a follower of Jesus Christ. <laughs> now, as I said, we, taught, we started this last week, and there are four aspects of the Great Commission in this message that I want to look at. The first one is this. The Great Commission is personal. The Great Commission is personal. It is given to you. It's given to you. It's given to you. It's given to you. It's personal. The Great Commission, go, you, go. Jesus said to his disciples, you, go, into all the world. You, you, not them, you. Every one of you, you, go. You go and take my message to the world. You go and take my message to your community. Go and take my message to your family. Go and take my message to your friends. Go and take my message to your community, to your workplace, to your neighborhood. It's personal. It's not this nebulous concept that is out there that you need to search and seek for. It's very basic and very simple. Go and tell people about Jesus Christ. Remember an old evangelist, I heard, uh, might have been Myron Cedarholm, I don't know, the first Bible college I went to out of Wisconsin. He said, the gospel is simple. One beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Very simple. One beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And that's simple. The bread of life. Tell people about Jesus Christ. Take every opportunity to live your faith. And when that door opens up, you share your faith. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, behold, I I place before you an open door that nobody can shut. Throughout our day, throughout our lives, there are open doors of opportunities for us to share our faith, to live our faith, to reach out to people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Over the course of this series, we're going to be talking about practical ways to do those things. But first of all, the Great Commission is personal said it's personal because the commandment is given to you. In John 20, 21, if you remember from last week, said Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Remember, Jesus came down to bring light to the world. And when he died on the cross, remember last week I talked about the veil in the temple being torn from top to bottom? And that opened up the passage. That wasn't just simply... A, a picture of an event that happened that was very symbolic of what now happened between humanity and God. The veil between mankind and God was now torn in half, and we have access directly to God on our own. No longer do we have to go through sacrifices. No longer do we have to go through priests. We can go directly to God. 
But that responsibility was also given to us personally. Jesus said, I send you. John 1, 43 through 46. I love this passage because it's just, if you want to know, some of you, <laughs> let's be honest. Okay, when we talk about evangelism, there are many of us that have studied the Bible for years, and we know, and uh, how many of you, uh, if, if you're newer to faith, you probably won't understand, you probably won't recognize this, how many of you uh, went through any kind of a class, or if you've been taught the Romans' road to salvation? Maybe you in your life have been taught the Romans' road to salvation, right? It's a very simple, very basic plan of, of reaching people with the gospel and taking people through Bible verses and leading them to Christ, right? You go through the book of Romans. And uh, in my version of it, we'd, I jump to John 3.16. I bring John 3.16 in there. I even go to um, uh, Galatians and uh, jump to Revelation if, it, if it's gonna, uh, the opportunity is there. But uh, it's great. It's a very basic way. And, and if you were taught... Uh, by someone who had done it for a long time, you know that in the Bible they, they made marks next to the verses. So that on the first, when you get to Romans 3.23, right next to Romans 3.23, you write Romans 6.23, right? So you'll know where to go next. The rest of the Romans 6.23, you put Romans 5.8, right? So you go to Romans 5, then Romans 10.9. So it was the Romans road to salvation. Well, that's great, Pastor John. That's wonderful. You know that. I don't. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but that's a, lot, that's a reason a lot of people don't actively share their faith because they're afraid that they don't know what they're doing, right? They're afraid that they don't have, that they're going to get into a conversation with somebody and their lack of knowledge, maybe this is you, your lack of knowledge is going to shine through. And now you're going to feel like, well, what do I do now? I just blew it. And because of that, because of the fear of failure, we're paralyzed from sharing our faith. Let me share this, Pat. I said all that to say this. This passage of scripture tells me what I can do in situations like that. John 1, verses 43 through 46. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And I said last week, Nathanael must have been a New Englander because he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Right? Man, that is, that is to, we are, first of all, we're sarcastic. And secondly, if you're not from here, you're not worth it. Right? Seriously. I mean, come on. Is that not the attitude of New England? You know what I'm talking about. That's why we're so difficult to break into. Right, Brian? That's why you, yeah, yeah. I won't get into it. Anyway, right. Brian and I, this is Brian and Debbie. Uh, I've known Brian for, oh my gosh, for decades, decades. And it's good to have them here. But Brian knows what I'm talking about. All right. Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <clears throat> Philip did not break it in, break down into a theological discussion. He didn't jump into the law. He didn't start bringing up Moses and all this stuff. He didn't go about getting deep into the scriptures and break out the scrolls. All he said was, come and see. Come and see. Right? If you doubt... 
If you don't think I know what I'm talking about, if you're not quite sure, just come and see. Come and see. Listen, I know several of you have talked to me about this, about our church. We're very different. If this is the first time you're here at New Life, we're different cats here. We really are. <laughs> we're different than most other churches that you'll, be, you'll go to in the area. We're just a very different church. We, think, we look at things differently, and uh, we see things in a different way. We will, we just, all we want to do is reach people for Christ. We want to love on people and reach them for Christ. I don't care who you are. Okay, it's like a Backstreet Boys song. Don't care who you are, where you're from, what you've done, as long as you come to church with us, <laughs> right? Is that the Backstreet Boys or sync? I'm not sure. I'm old, so if it's not an Eagles song, I probably don't know it. But, uh, but uh, yeah, well, shut up, Jared. Uh, also, when I'm medicated, I'm grouchy, so. <laughs> but, but that's what we're about, man. And maybe, just maybe, you don't exactly know what to say to people. You don't exactly know how to talk with them or how to share your faith. You know what you can do? Hey, come and see. Just come and see. Hey, look, a church like that, a church, they'll let me bring coffee and donuts into the auditorium. Come on. Come on. Last church I went to, they got a sign in the wall that says only water in here. Right? Seriously. Seriously? A church like that doesn't exist in New England. Come and see. Listen, you may not know everything you need to know. What's important is that you're learning and that you're still trying. And that when you get the opportunity, you realize it's a personal command to you to say something as simple as come and see. Just come and see. Just come and give it a try. You know what? They've said no to me so many times, Pastor John, right? They've told me no, 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 no. Just try one more time. Just try one more time. Just keep inviting. Just keep living. Just keep sharing. Just come and see. The second thing we saw about the Great Commission is that it was powerful. We got that from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The Holy Spirit has come upon you at the moment of salvation. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Bible says you were given the Holy Spirit, man. You were given the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And with that power in your life, you are told to be his witnesses in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is your name, is your area. If you're from East Long Meadow, Jerusalem, your Jerusalem is East Long Meadow. Springfield. What neighborhood are you from? You live in Forest Park, live in Six Corners, live in Hungry Hill, live in East Springfield, live over in the orchard. Man, that's your Jerusalem. Reach your Jerusalem. Live in Chicopee, Westside, Enfield. That's your Jerusalem. Ludlow, that's your Jerusalem. Longmeadow, that's your expensive Jerusalem. <laughs> right? That's, your, your, that's your, your task to reach your Jerusalem. Then Judea. Region, man, we reached Judea through our church, right? We helped to reach Judea through our church. We have a church that's partnered with us to help us reach people that we couldn't reach on our own. The Brazilian population. Samaria, partnering with churches throughout Massachusetts and, and the northern Connecticut area to reach our region for Jesus Christ and in the uttermost parts of the world. Boy, you can watch our, uh, our uh, services on Facebook. Facebook Live, there are people watching us on Facebook Live. Hello. 
We've got a, a, um, a podcast. If you have any questions about the podcast, you can talk to Jonathan. He can connect you with how to uh, connect with the podcast that is uh, out there. I, I would tell you about it, but I don't have a clue. So, okay. And our Facebook is seen literally around the world. There's 29 different countries have seen, uh, people have, have streamed our Facebook service. Our Nepali service is, is uh, seen around the world. Our Brazilian service is viewed by between three and 500 people a week. Man, it's awesome stuff. We're trying to reach the world, taking every opportunity we have to reach the world. You have that power. The Great Commission is powerful. Let's finish this with the last two points. The third thing I see about the Great Commission, not only is it personal, not only is it powerful, but the Great Commission is practical. It's practical. It's not a deep theological teaching. You know, you know this, you do not have to go to seminary to learn how to reach people through the Great Commission. You do, to be a, what we used to call in the old days, being a soul winner, right? Being a soul winner. You do not have to go to Bible college to be a soul winner. You don't have to go to Bible college. You don't have to go to seminary to learn how to share your faith in an effective way because the Great Commission is practical. It's incredibly practical. It's broken down to basics. Anybody can do it. One of my favorite commercials of all time, and they brought it back. It's so funny. Is the cave, remember the caveman commercials? That one. It's, I, I, is it Geico? I don't even remember. Is it Geico? I love the commercial, but I don't even remember what it's for, right? So simple a caveman can do it. And I love the, the caveman that's walking through the, the airport and he goes by and there's the sign there, so simple a caveman. It looks like he just gets indignant. It's like, oh, I love that. It's just so funny. Anyway, I'm not saying, now see, I set that up for something terrible here. I'm not saying that we're not comparing ourselves to cavemen, okay? That's not what I'm saying. <clears throat> but the plan of salvation, learning how to reach people with Jesus Christ, is simple because it's practical. It's an amazingly practical way of reaching people with Jesus Christ. You know what it is? In, in Matthew 28, it says, teach them. Teach them. And I just mentioned Jonathan for the podcast. For those of you who don't know Jonathan, raise your hand. He's the guy in the, uh, the discount jersey. Uh, <laughs> if you have questions about the podcast, I'm sorry, Melvin. I just had to say it. Um, see Jonathan and he can tell you about the podcast if you want to listen to that. <clears throat> but it's practical. We are told to teach, to teach them, to teach each other. People who know the gospel, people who know the way to share faith, teaching others plan of God for reaching the world is clearly laid out in the Bible and just as clearly as God's plan for people to learn about this faith. We call it growing in faith. Here in New Life we have a discipleship plan, discipleship program. Many people have gone through it, people are going through it right now, and we've got more. We've got disciplers who can take you through one-on-one. -on -one. If you want to go through with a friend, we can go one-on-two. Gina Dunn heads that up for us. She can set you up. We've got people we can connect you with, and you can go through our 18-week discipleship program. And it's designed in such a way so that you learn the scripture, and you're also able to ask questions and learn from it. 
because that's our responsibility to teach others. It's practical. We are tested. Listen, this isn't the dark ages where the Bible is chained to a, the pulpit and the people of the, in, in the congregation aren't allowed to touch it, where the Bible is written in Latin and the people speak English and they can't read it. That's not the way God intended this. We, we don't have, for those of you who don't know, we don't have an official translation we use in this church. I use the, um, the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. It's the one I've, I've chosen to use now. The reason we don't have an official, official version is because I want you to be able to find the one that works best for you. I use several different on my own when I study. But it's it needs to be practical. It needs to be, Jesus said, work out your own salvation. Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What he means is, he doesn't mean that you work for your salvation. He says, you need to find the way it works for you and live it and do it that way. Find out what works for you. We teach because the, the Great Commission is practical. It's for those who know to teach those who want to know, to learn and study and pray for understanding so that we can become strong advocates for the word of God. John 15 verses four and five, Jesus said to his disciples and through them to us, he said, remain in me and I in you. <coughs> Excuse me, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in, you, I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Now, the primary application of that passage of scripture is for you as an individual to stay connected to Jesus Christ in your faith. That's the primary application. But we know that scripture can be applied in many different ways, right? As long as it's applied correctly. And a secondary application of this passage is this. Jesus is talking about staying connected to him through your church, through a church. See, it's very popular and very fashionable nowadays for people to say, now I've got, I've got, I'm, I'm a spiritual person, right? I'm very spiritual. Well, good. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy for you. But in all of that, do you know Jesus Christ as your savior? And are you connected to Jesus Christ? Because spiritual, passionate, whatever, doesn't matter. What matters is do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ on a personal level? <clears throat> Jesus said, if you want to be powerful for me, and if you want to have a relationship with me, you need to stay connected to me. And secondarily, we see through the entire New Testament that the, a great way in the, and an important way for you to stay connected to Jesus Christ is to stay connected to a good, solid, Bible-preaching, Bible-believing local church. Because in that local church, you will stay connected to others who are connected to Jesus Christ. You'll learn from them. You will teach them. Some of you think that you don't have the ability to teach anybody. You don't have enough knowledge to teach a flea, and you're so wrong. You're just so wrong. You'd be amazed at what you know if you just give yourself the chance to talk about it. Aaron is, my wife Aaron is going through school, getting her degree in, in uh, Christian ministry. And we have a lot of conversations between my father and me and uh, my son. We've got a lot of experience, college, college knowledge, I guess. 
And sometimes I'll just let Aaron talk. I know that's a shock for those of you who know Aaron, <laughs> that Aaron would, would want to talk. But, and it's amazing to me what comes out of her heart and what comes out of her, the things that she's learned about the Bible and how not just what she knows in her head, but how she knows how to apply it to her life and to ministry. And see, many of you, you don't think you know much. But if you just give yourself the chance to talk about it, to share about it, to talk to others about it, remember this. And I'm, I'm not, please, I'm, I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not being mean. I'm just being honest because I've lived here in New England and I minister in New England and I know a lot of New Englanders. Most New Englanders, most people that don't go to church or even people that go to churches that don't really teach the Bible, they don't know the Bible. They just don't. They may think they do, but they don't. I always, whenever I have somebody who comes up to me with that kind of, a, with that kind of an attitude, I say, listen, I'll have a conversation with you. In fact, I want to have a conversation with you, but understand this is what I've gone to school for. So I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but I, we need, we'll have this conversation. What I say, that, what, the reason I'm saying that is this. Don't be intimidated just because somebody thinks they know the Bible, right? Because most times they probably don't. And that's not a slam on people. What I'm trying to do is get you to understand that you know more than you think you do. And you have a greater ability than you think you do. And by the way, go back to the last point. Powerful. You have the Holy Spirit inside you. And that's the greatest thing of all. Because when you get the opportunity to share, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you and give you wisdom and words to share and say and do things and, and be the example, be the witness that you never thought you could be. If you just, oh man, it comes down to that one word I know. Hang on. It comes down to that one word, trust, right? Trust God. Trust God that he'll help you out with that. It's practical. 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself to God as one of approved, <laughs> excuse me, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed correctly teaching the word of truth. And 2 Timothy 2.2, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And that's the practical way of reaching this world with Jesus Christ, that we as believers, that we would learn and grow in our faith, and then we pass that faith on down to others. One of the, one of the things I'm most proud about in the right way in this church is that we have three generations of chase men who lead. My dad was the founding pastor of this church, and he still teaches a Bible study on Sunday mornings. I'm the senior pastor. My oldest son is the assistant pastor. My dad learned from his father, who learned from his father, who learned from his father. And we've passed it down generation to generation to generation. And now I've been tasked to teach two crazies, seven-year-old crazy boys about Jesus Christ. And oh, man, I love, I love hearing them talk about Jesus. We, we had, uh, I put on some, some uh, uh, a pastor this morning, might have been David Jeremiah, and Gabriel yells out, Daddy, it's Jesus talk on TV. <laughs> That's right, buddy. That's right, it's Jesus talk. Listen to it. 
Zach has been tasked with raising little Jack in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's our responsibility. And God has blessed us in this church with a woman named Chrissy who is passionate about reaching children for Jesus Christ. How many of you saw her video this week? Was that not a cool video? That's awesome. I, don't ask me to repeat those hand motions. I, don't, I can't do it, right? Yeah. But, but Chrissy is helping us as a church lead a children's ministry that passes on the faith to our children and teaches our children. On Wednesday nights, we have a Bible study. Gina just shared with me another, another six-week course that uh, we can add. We've got people like Barb, who is a great Bible teacher. We've got other people who, who know how to teach the Word of God that can share it. Man, that is how we as a church fulfill that part, the practical part of the Great Commission. We teach others about Jesus Christ. We share our faith. We pass our faith along. It can't stop with you. It just can't stop with you. I refuse to let my faith stop with me. And I believe you need to refuse to let your faith stop with you. If you're a parent, you are tasked with reaching your children with the gospel and to teach them, not just, not just teach them how to get saved, but teach them how to live the gospel so they can then go out and teach others and reach their little friends. Somebody said, I, I posted a picture of Gabriel and Michael. Uh, they had their Todd Gurley Rams jerseys and they went to school. And <laughs> Listen, I've, does it surprise you that I don't know how to deal with hair issues? <laughs> okay, I bought the spray. Okay, we sprayed their hair blue. I did. I'll take full responsibility. They got up this morning looking like Smurfs. Because <laughs> Friday I sent them to school with blue hair. And they went to sleep Friday night. And their pillows got all blue. And it, it, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> Needless to say, they had to take a shower this morning too. <laughs> to get that off. But I... <laughs> I posted that picture and I said, somebody's got to represent the Rams at the boys' school, right? And uh, somebody posted it, a, a friend I went to high school with, he's a pastor out in the Midwest. He said, uh, that's the picture of courage. And I know what he meant, and it was a great comment for sports fans. That's the, that is, you know, you go in, in enemy territory. You represent your team, right? But let me tell you what the true picture of courage is. You as a parent, passing your faith on to your children and preparing your children to take their faith with them to school so that your children can live Jesus Christ before their friends. Folks, did I mention that we live in the third least evangelized metropolitan area of the country? We don't have time to play church. We need to be church. We don't have, to, we, we don't have times to play religion. We need to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ before it's too late. It's practical. And lastly, it's purposeful. It's purposeful. We are to make disciples. There's no deep plumbing the depths of theology when it comes to the Great Commission. It's very simple. 
The whole task of the church, the whole purpose of you being here, being part of the church, being part of a ministry, connecting with people, learning about your faith, learning the Bible, the whole purpose for me spending my week studying and preparing and answering questions and dealing with people and talking about situations and working with our teams. <clears throat> to provide a ministry and to give ministry opportunities. The whole purpose of Zach and his worship team getting together and practicing and doing, uh, getting their worship together so that they can present it. The whole purpose of a Brazilian ministry. The whole purpose of opening up to a Nepali congregation who needs a place to meet. The whole purpose of all of this is so that we can reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. The Great Commission is purposeful. This isn't an exercise in religion. This isn't an exercise in futility. This isn't a might be. Listen, if you, if you ever question whether or not I truly believe what I say I believe, I'll put that to rest. I believe the word of God 100%. And I believe when I die, and I felt like I was there this week, Amen. right? <laughs> oh, if you haven't had this, don't ask for it. It's no fun. I believe with all my heart, no questions, no equivocation, no doubt whatsoever. I believe when I die, I'll be in the presence of Jesus Christ. I believe that with every ounce of my being. By the same token, I believe that my responsibility as an individual and as a pastor as a father, as a husband, as a friend, as a leader of a ministry, is to do my dead level best to teach others how to connect with Jesus Christ in their faith and how to pass that faith along to others. That's the purpose of the church, folks. It's not bake sales. It's not potlucks. Although those are great things and those are all part of the ministry. Those are all ways to reach. The whole purpose of it all is to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. The Great Commission is purposeful. There's a reason behind it. We don't just have church just to have a place to go to on Sunday morning. There's a purpose for all of it. The Great Commission is purposeful. John chapter 15, verses 15 and 16 <laughs> Jesus says, I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. Why did Jesus die on the cross to save your soul? Why did he love you so much that he, laid it, that he gave himself to die? Because he wants to spend eternity with you. The answer to the question is in the question itself. Because he loves you. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, maybe what I've talked about this morning, maybe it just doesn't make any sense to you at all. So the Bible clearly says, very clearly, that we're all sinners. That there's nothing we can do on our own to get ourselves to heaven. You can, you can try to be as good as you possibly can. And I know many of you were raised in this area in churches that, that focused on the good works 
And the Bible says our, our good works, our righteousness are like dirty rags compared to what God requires of us. So there's no way that we as individuals can get ourselves there. We can't be good enough. We just can't work our way to heaven. There's just no way. And knowing that, God loved us enough. He created us for fellowship. He wanted to spend eternity. He wants to spend eternity with us. So God designed a plan for the redemption of mankind. And that plan involved his son Jesus coming down to earth, living among us for 33 years, three years of solid ministry, of teaching, and then death on the cross. The Bible says that his death provided the sacrifice that was necessary to pay for the price for all sins forever. So your sin has been paid for. Absolutely, your sin has been paid for. But it doesn't end there. The Bible says that it's a gift. God has given us the gift of eternal life. Just like a gift at Christmas time, a gift isn't really yours until you receive it, right? It can be bought for you. It can be have your name written on it. But until you receive it, the gift isn't yours. Remember I was talking about the Romans road? Romans 10 verse 9 says, If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10 13 says, For whoever, 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 put your name in that. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, substitute your name for whoever. For, as John, for if John will call on the name of the Lord, John will be saved. That's the purpose of the Great Commission. It boils down to this. And I know, listen, man, I know people mock this today. I don't understand it, Bob. I don't understand it. God has made it so simple for us. You know what it boils down to? You have to be humble enough to realize you need a Savior. That's what it boils down to. You have to be humble enough to realize you need a Savior. And people have a problem with that. And I hear a lot of pastors, and be careful, I hear a lot of pastors, you think that you can boil it down to a simple prayer and that's all? Yes. You know why? I don't boil it down to a simple prayer. God does. He said, if you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. Nothing added, nothing taken away. You add to that, you're wrong. You add to that, you're wrong. You add baptism to that, you're wrong. You add church attendance to that, you're wrong. You add anything to that, you're wrong. If you're sitting here this morning and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Bible clearly says all you need to do is realize you're a sinner, realize you can't do anything about that. Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sins. You receive that gift of eternal life by simply saying a simple prayer such as, God, I'm so sorry for the things I've done. I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't get myself to heaven. I know you died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I ask you now to come into my heart and save me. I receive your gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, something simple like that. The Bible says you'll be given eternal life. You may not like the fact that it's that simple, but that's as simple as it is. That's the gospel. And see, we've talked about, we've talked about the Great Commission all morning long. What I just did there, twofold purpose. First of all, if you're here this morning, you need Jesus Christ. I just showed you how to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Secondly, Christian, you think you don't have what it takes? It's that simple. It's that simple. It's that easy. Boy, you don't have to break it down into theological terms. You don't have to take people through Leviticus. Right? 
You don't have to get into a, a deep discussion on the Ten Commandments. It's that simple. It's that easy to tell people about Jesus Christ. There's a purpose for it. And Jesus said, I want you to tell others about me. That's your job. That's your commission. And it applies to each and every one of us. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? And while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, just before we close in prayer, maybe you are here this morning and you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and be your Savior. Listen, I'd be remiss to, to share the gospel with you this morning and not give you the opportunity to respond. And I'm not asking you to stand up. The reason nobody's looking around is because this is just between you, me, and God. But I wonder this morning if you would honestly say, hey, Pastor John, I've never asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and be my Savior. When you talk about that, I really don't. Uh, I, I know this. I've never done that. There's nobody looking around. I wonder if you'd raise your hand and say, would you pray for me, Pastor John? Would you pray for me? Anybody? Thank you so much for your honesty. I appreciate the hand. Listen, I know we went through it quickly, but very simply, saying a prayer such as, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know that there's nothing I can do to get myself to heaven. I know that you died to pay the price for my sin. I receive you into my heart right now to be my savior. In Jesus' name, amen. That simple prayer will guarantee you eternal life if you meet it from your heart. Please find one of us afterwards if you want to talk about that. We'd love to sit down. Christian, I'm excited about this year. I know it's been a rough start with sickness in our church. But I'll tell you what, I'm excited about what God has continuing for this church as time goes on. My prayer for you is that you'll catch the passion and the fire of the Great Commission to reach your community for Jesus Christ. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. Personally, Lord, I want to thank you for the strength to preach this morning. Thank you for those who are here. Thank you for those who are watching us, Lord, because they weren't able to be here today. Father, I pray that you will place a passion deep inside each one of our hearts. Every one of us that knows you as our Savior. God, I pray that you'll give us a burden for people. Give us a burden for their souls. Lord, nothing matters except them coming to know you as Savior. And I pray that they, that you will give us that burden, the burden of the personal impact of the Great Commission. God, I pray that as we go from this place this morning, that we'll go forward as worshipers and as missionaries, going out with a purpose of living for you and evangelizing our community for you. Bless us now. May we honor you with all that we do and in everything we say. In your precious holy name, we pray all these things. Amen.